Father, we just thank you, we praise you, we worship you, Father, for this evening. You're a good God, your mercy endures forever, and even as now we meditate upon your word, Lord, uh, speak to our hearts, Lord, enable us to walk in your ways, even as we learn of you, that you would empower us, not just to be hearers, but to be doers of the word, strengthen us this evening. Anoint us to speak and to hear, and Lord, anoint us and empower us to obey. To that end, I pray that you would bless the speaking and the hearing of this word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Second Kings chapter 13, please. Second Kings chapter 13. Second Kings chapter 13, and I'm going to read from verse 10 onwards. Or uh, some of you can possibly... Okay, I'll read it, okay? I'll read it in my Bible. And you can follow it in your Bibles. few verses from verse 10 of Second Kings chapter 13. In the 37th year of Joash, king of Judah, Jehoash, the son of Jehoash, began to reign over Israel in Samaria. And he reigned 16 years. Okay, your translation. Some translations were used 17. No problem. Okay. 16 years. He also did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which made Israel to sin. But he walked in them, now the rest of the acts of Joash, and all that he did, and the might with which he fought against Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the king of Israel? So Joash uh, slept with his fathers, and Jeroboam sat in his throne, and Joash was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Verse 14. Now this is of course when Joash is still alive, okay? He's still alive and this is the epistle. Let's read from verse 14 now, continue. Now when, he, when Elisha had fallen ill, fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, king of Israel, that is Joash who just died, I mean not, who was just reported to have died, but this is happening in his time, okay? Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And Elisha said to them, take a bow and arrows. So he took bow and arrows. Okay? So, underline the first inverted commas in your Bible. So he took bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow. And he drew it, and Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. 17. And he said, open the window eastward. So three commands already. How many commands? Three commands. First command, get some bows and arrows. Second command, Draw the bow. Third command, open the windows. Fourth command, shoot. He opened it and Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. Fourth command. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory or deliverance, the arrow of deliverance over Syria, for you shall fight the Syrians in Africa until you have made them, made an end to them, or other translations will use the word, consumed them or destroyed them utterly. All right. Verse 18. And he said, take the arrows. That is fifth one. Okay, fifth command. Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king, strike the arrows to the ground. How many commands? Six commands. Okay. Strike the arrows till the ground. And then what happens? And then the man of God, oh, so was uh, 18. And he said, take the arrows and took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck them three times and stopped. The man of angry, man, the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times, then you would have struck down Syria until you have made an end of it, but now you will strike down Syria only three times. So Elisha died. That's today's lesson plan. So you have two kings, one is already reported to have died, <laughs> and then you have a prophet who is dying. And during uh, the the life of the prophet and the king, they have overlapped. And you see, of course, the history of Joash says he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, because he did not depart from the king's uh, the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which caused Israel to sin. However, it's very interesting. Even though this guy was a compromised man, so you have several characters, two, two characters in this Bible. You have Joash, a compromised man, and Elisha. A man of God who stayed faithful all his life. 
right from the time of his call to the end of his life, he stayed faithful to his calling. So you have two kinds of believers always. Kind of be- one kind of believer who are compromised completely, totally. But still God says, you can be the deliverer. And you have another guy who is a deliverer all his life. And this is Elisha. I mean, one of the things that I, I'm, I'm stunned with the life of Elisha is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And, and I think I'm going to possibly share from this for quite some time now, uh, from the life of Elisha. <clears throat> Even as the Lord leads, of course. But Elisha was this man who was faithful. Right from the time of his call with 12 yoke of oxen, he broke them. He made feast. I mean, killed them, slaughtered them burnt all his bridges to his old life and followed Elijah until he got the double portion of his anointing. And from the time he received the anointing till the time that he died, he remained faithful to the God who called him. That is what you and I can choose to be. Turn with me to Psalm 71 verses 17 and 18. This is essentially the purpose statement of Elisha. Before he dies, he wants to do something. Read Psalm 71, please, from verses 17 and to 19, maybe. You can read it. <clears throat> Somebody can read it quickly. Oh, God, from my youth, you have taught me. That is Elisha. <laughs> when he was a young man, when he was a young man, he was a hard-working young man. By the way, let me tell you something. God detests sluggards and lazy people. And if you are a sluggard and a lazy people and a slack in your work, you can wait till eternity. You will not have the call of God over your life, period. What did I say? Okay, 17, so Psalm 71, 17, 18, and 19. If you are a lazy, slack, sluggard, the word sluggard in the, actually in the original, uh, um, Hebrew means a bow which has a string and it is loose. Okay, so when you, when you stretch the string to, to shoot the arrow, it's not going to accomplish its purpose because it's slack. That's a sluggard. You need to understand that. And, and the problem is, most of the house of God, like Joash, who had a call of God over his life, they have unfinished business in, in their lives. And they do not, do not. Please turn to Revelation chapter 3 verse 1 and 2. Revelation chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Please read Revelation chapter 3 verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> Quickly. <clears throat> and to the angel of the church in Sardis, write... Okay, he, these things he says, who has the seven spirits of God and seven stars. I know your works. You have a name and that you are alive. Okay, but you're dead. Now, this is, he's saying, you know what, you have a reputation that you're alive, but you're spiritually dead. Now, in order to qualify or rather to give uh, I mean, the symptom as to why and how he came to the conclusion that Saad is, is essentially a spiritually dead church. He continues, what does he say? Be watchful. Be watchful and strengthen the things that remain. Ah. But are ready to die. Okay, other translations in the NIV, it says, I did, I ha- you have what? Unfinished works in your life. You did not bring the works to completion in your life. Now let me tell you something. What, what does, what does spiritual death means? <laughs> People who do not bring anything to completion. The pastor in Sardis starts work and he does not finish it. That is spiritual death. It's remarkable, isn't it? The spiritual death means you start something in your life and never completion. You have, it's like, you know, in, in Andhra, there's a very famous saying, Andhudu Arambha Surudu. In other words, he starts something, but he never ever finishes what he has started. Never comes to the logical, it's to its uh, logical conclusion. And what does God say about him? You are what? You have a reputation that you have, you're alive, but absolutely spiritually dead because I've seen your works, they are not complete before God. You don't bring anything to completion like Cyril was talking about James. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. You see, you, you need to have this desire in your life. Lord, what you have started in my life, I don't care how many op- uh, oppositions there are to the, to the work of God in my life. Lord, grant me the strength to finish what you have started because you said in your word that you are the author and the perfecter or the finisher of my faith. So if you are not cooperating with the Spirit of God to complete what God has started in your life, you know what God says? You are spiritually dead. 
And look at Elisha. Look at this man. Now read Psalm 71, verse 17 to 18. I love this verse. Psalm 71, verse 17 to 18. Look at what it says. Please, everybody, quickly. <clears throat> oh God, you have taught me from my youth. And to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I'm old and gray-headed, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this You know, that is Elisha's work. He said, Lord, I'm dying. I'm gray-headed and I'm dying, but Lord, strengthen me until I allow the Spirit of God to finish the work that has started, until I declare the word to the next generation and strengthen them. That is the work of God. Otherwise, all of us, you need to ask, this, is, this, this should be a passion, Lord, I'm getting old, <laughs> gray hairs are coming, but till I die, Lord, you taught me when I was young. You did a work in my life when I was young. But until I die, let me not die without declaring your works and your strength to the next generation. That should be your ambition too. Otherwise, you have an unfinished business. You, and you, you need to ask yourself, how many people in your life did you mentor or what is the work that God has given you and you have started and you have never completed it? You start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Start. For a while you will continue. Opposition comes. Tuss. Gone. Then you start something else. Gone. Start another thing. Gone. Start another thing. Gone. That is essentially the pastor in Sardis. If the pastor is like that, what will happen to the congregation? See? So, Elisha was this guy. He says, you know, Lord, whatever it is, let me finish my work. Second thing about Elisha. Second thing about Elisha is one thing after he finished crossing, crossing Jordan and he came back, you know what? He had the double portion of anointing. He had solutions to problems. People would approach him. You know what it's, what the first, first problem he solves is, boss, the water in this area is gone. And the land is barren. There's no yield. He says, come on. Bring a pot, new pot, put some salt in it, and pour it into the water. Now the water is healed until, oh, I like that. Elisha is dead. Till the day that Elisha dies, the land is not barren. That is what, that is what we call as a living word. That is what we call as a bearers of the living word. Now think about it, this lady, you know, uh, who has this prophet, <laughs> who is the wife of the prophet, who comes to Elisha and she says, Elisha, Elisha, man of my, my servant, my, my husband was a man of God, but he was in a lot of debt. And the creditors have come and they have taken away my children. Please help me. Now, what is what is she asking Elisha for? Tell me. What is she asking Elisha for? If she didn't have money, what is she asking Elisha for? Money. I mean, it's amazing. Who Who is this Elisha Baba? This is the Elisha who forsook everything. He burnt all his bridges. He sold all his, all his oxen, everything. Does he have any money? No money. But does he have a solution to the problem? Yeah. What does he say? Do you have, what do you have in your home? You have a you have a vessel, I have the word. You have a vessel, I have a word. Now fill those vessels with oil. He just has a word. That's the reason why you know when the Peter and sorry, Peter and John? Yeah, Peter and John go to the go to the temple called Beautiful, the gate called Beautiful. The guy is looking. Arms, arms, he wants arms. He says, Silver and gold we do not have. But such as I have, give I thee in the Ah, name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. That is Elisha. King says to tremble. <laughs> okay. Oh, do we have, am I God? Don't worry, send him to me. I will give the recommendation to the king if you want any problem. So if this guy <laughs> was a huddle. You see, man who had nothing, but he had the anointing of God and he had the word of God. What we call as a living word, the Rima. Do we have the Rima? Turn to John's Gospel chapter 3. Okay, we know that, no? Mark, Ma- Matthew chapter 4. Ma- man shall not live by bread alone, but by... What is you know, the word? The word, the, every word is the word Rima. Every Rima that proceeds from the mouth of God, man shall live by. 
Now John's Gospel chapter 3. Sorry. John's Gospel chapter 3. Luke's Gospel chapter 3. Luke's Gospel chapter 3. And read the verse, first three verses please. Ah, from the, on the 15th year of reign of Tiberius, Caesar, Pontius Pilate, governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, Ah, Tetrarch of Ituria, Aha, uh-huh. all the big shot and the who's who of the, of the known world are there in that first word, first, first verse, and then, so you have two high priests, Abo. Uh huh. You know the word of God in that verse, the Rima. The Rima word. Where where did it come? John, the son of Zechariah. He was a bearer of the word of God. Isn't it amazing? The question is, are you bearers of the word of God? Do people come to you, and and you don't have? I mean, you, and none of us have any solution. I mean, if you come to me with your financial problems, I will say, sorry, (laughs) ain't got no money. (laughs) But one thing I will for sure do, I have the word of God. I can tell you how to come out of your problems. You see, that is Elisha. So this Elisha now is dying and Jehoash is coming to him. Let's turn back now to 2 Kings chapter 13. Okay? 2 Kings chapter 13. What is happening over here? And look at all the commands that God gives to Jehoash. Let's read verse 14. Now when Elisha had fallen sick with a house with the illness of which he was to die, Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Boy, I like that. You know, it doesn't matter how compromised you are. You know, that is one thing that we've been trying to reiterate in the, in the, in the, in the church is, you know what? It doesn't matter how much you messed up. You do not lose your sonship. You're still God's child. It doesn't matter how much my children mess up. It does not change the fact that they are my children. Isn't it? It doesn't matter. It's, this is the assurance. That's how it starts off, right? It starts off with this assurance and Elisha saying, hey, don't say like that, right? Compromised fellow. Does he say that? It's amazing. It's grace. Oh, I messed up. I, I, I know your mess. I know everything. But still, I'm giving you a chance. That is grace. Isn't it amazing? So what does he say? My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. You know, that's remarkable. Who is the chariot of Israel? <laughs> <laughs> and the horseman of Israel, who is the, what does horse signify? Stre- signify strength. You read Job 31. You don't have to go there. Okay. Job 31 talks about the horse. Horses signify strength, power, might. You know, they are not going to go back during battle. And God says, don't multiply horses. <laughs> okay. And that is the reason the king of kings, when he entered into Jerusalem, he did not come in a horse. He came in a donkey. Okay, that's okay. No, don't multiply horses. Why? You don't need horses. I will give you men and women of God who will be horses. Okay. As I said, no. Which is the weapon? Albert Einstein or atom bomb? Ah, Albert Einstein. So he is the weapon over here. He is the chariot of Israel. He is the horseman of Israel. And he says, my father, my father, you are my strength. You are the power here in Israel. Isn't it remarkable? This is what God wants each of us to become. He wants us to become weapons in God's hand. That's the reason why I said children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is His reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are children in one's youth. Happy is a man who's got his quiver full of them. He will not be ashamed for he shall contend with the enemy at the gates. Okay, that's that's what he's talking about over here. Okay, let's move on. So, what does Elisha say? First thing Elisha says is, take your bow and take your arrows. So he took the bow and arrows. First thing he says, Elisha says, he looks at Joash. Joash, you messed up, but there's one gift in your life. Okay? I'll talk about what that gift is, but there are gifts in your life. And because of compromise, all their gifts are gone. Dormant. 
See, the more you use your gift, the more sharper you will become. How many of you agree? Rachel agrees. Look at her, look at her bakes, Baba. How she started and how she is now. When she sent a, uh, they sent a cake to my brother's, uh, anniversary, they were shocked. They said, we never saw any cake like this in our entire life. The more you bake, the better you become. Rachel, happy birthday. <laughs> okay. So, you have the gift. And what are, what do people do? They have the gift, but they, okay, they put it under, they're lazy. And this is exactly what I was telling the youth today in the morning. God hates lazy people. He will not work with lazy people, Baba. You can, you can, you know, you can wait till eternity, you will not be used. Even in eternity, you'll say, Baba, you're lazy. <laughs> you sit there and enjoy. Let the rest of us, let's enjoy our fellowship and our worship. You sit in that corner over there, please. You're saved, you're my son, but you're useless. You're useless then, you're useless now. Okay, sit there in the corner and let the rest of us. So, don't ever say, Lord, I want to use my gift. Get rid of laziness in my heart. The spirit of laziness. The spirit of sloth. The spirit of slumber. Learn from the ant. So what does it mean? How do we get rid of the spirit of sloth and spirit of slumber? You learn from the? So what does it mean? You have to humble yourself. And learn from all the least of the people. And if the least and the least talented who have, do, do look like ants in the kingdom of God, you go to them and say, Baba, can you teach me, please? That is the attitude you should have. You see, all humble people will learn from everybody, even from children. Yeah. Proud people, they think they know better. This, this is a generation which thinks they know better. Proverbs chapter 30, please. Proverbs chapter 13. Are you there? And I'll tell you the verse. <clears throat> Three zero. And verse 11. And somebody read it from the KJV. NKJV, please. There is a generation. Ah, that curses his father. And does not bless his mother. Is that not a generation that we are living in who do not have respect and honor for their parents? Read on. Next. Ah, there is a generation that they are pure in their own eyes, but they are not still cleansed from their what? Ah. Because they have no teachable spirit in their hearts. So, if you have a teachable spirit, you are hard working and you will come to the least and say, you know what, I want to learn from you, brother. I want to learn. That is the reason why Jesus said, I am meek and lowly. Come, take my yoke upon you and do what? Learn. Learn of me. Learn, learn, learn. Be be a learner. Be a teach. Have a teachable spirit. Go down and say, Lord, I want to learn. Learn from everybody. And I say, it doesn't matter who speaks on the pulpit. I say, Lord, it is you who is speaking. I want to learn from you. Okay? So this guy, he says, take your bow, take your arrows, take it, bring it up, stir up the gift which is in you. I will talk about that later on. <clears throat> so to, he took a bow, and then he said to him, draw the bow. Who, do, whom did he say, draw the bow? Ah, okay. Who's going to deliver? God. What does God use? Johash, he uses compromised brothers in the church. Okay. He uses human vessels and he says, draw the bow. How is he going to draw the bow now? Look at what it says. Same verse. Continue reading please. Draw the bow. And he drew it. Ah! Elisha laid his hands upon the bow now which is drawn. You know what it means? It is just not the anointing. You need to be submissive to authority. And you should be under a man of God. You are laughing. 
Because we are running in the same meter. <laughs> you know, because I introduced something to him and he is running in that meter. Okay, so we know what we are saying. See, you should be under a man of God. It is a man of God who will strengthen you. I was under Pastor James for so many years. Now, pff, we are having wrestling matches only. Daily with demons. What says thou, Peter? <laughs> Peter is laughing. You see, you should be. See, in other words, unless and until there is an empowering with from the word, from a man of God, it is. And who's shooting actually? You know who shoots? The man of God shoots. Who's drawing it? Joash is drawing. Turn please to Second Corinthians chapter three. <clears throat> the man of God, and then second is the anointing. Obviously, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Okay, turn to Second Corinthians chapter three now. Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter three, and verse. If you have the NIV, I would love you to read the NIV. Verse four to six. Verse 4 to 6. Is it the NIV? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody read NIV loudly if you have a voice, loud voice. Ah, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Ante we have only confidence through Christ before God. We don't have confidence in anybody else. Before God, we have confidence through Christ. Yes, read on. Yeah. Ah, not that we are content in ourselves? Sufficient, content or competent? Ah, that's, that's what I'm, content, competent, okay? That's the word I'm looking for, okay? Competent in ourselves? Ah, to claim anything of ourselves? Ah, but our competence comes from God and then read on? Of the new covenant. He has made us competent as the ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter. But of the spirit. Letter kills. The spirit brings life. That's exactly what Elisha stands for. He stands for the anointing of God. Which is making Jehoash competent. A sluggard. When he surrenders his life to God. Becomes competent in the hands of God. Okay. So, be under man of God, and then you will be under anointing. So you will never get any anointing any other way. Psalm 133. Read verses 1, 2, or 3. Psalm 133, verses 1, 2, and 3. Please read it quickly. Behold how good and pleasant it is for the brothers to dwell together in unity. Yes. Ah, it is like the precious oil on the head of who? Uh, so where does the anointing start? Ah, on the head. Okay, so wives, where does their anointing start? Men are like, come on, it starts on the head. <laughs> and where does your anointing start, men? Christ. You see that? That is how you get anointing. By being under authority. Baba, there is no other way. And you think that you are going to, you are going to finish your life without the anointing. You will be like Saul. First Samuel, second Samuel chapter two verse twenty-one. So, chapter one verse twenty-one. Second Samuel chapter one verse twenty-one. Second Samuel chapter one verse twenty-one. Quickly. You mountains of Gilboa. Let there be no dew or rain, you mountains of Gilboa. Yes. Uh huh. The shield of the mighty was defiled. Huh? The shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. Why? Because he refused to come under authority. That is the reason why it says, "In, um, in rebellion is as what." Witchcraft and stubbornness is as idolatry. Stubbornness is as idolatry. And a stubborn spirit is there in all of us. We'll come to that. How do we get rid of that? 
This morning. So you have the man of God putting his hand on Jehoash's hands and striking. The next one, what does he say? Shoot. Huh? What does he say? Shoot. Oh, oh, sorry, open. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Before I go. Thank you, thank you so much. Open the east window. I love that. <laughs> thank you so much. What does the east window signify, Baba? Turn to Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2 verses 4 to 6. Isaiah chapter 2 verses 4 to 6. Isaiah chapter 2 verses 4 to 6. With, 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 quickly. Verses 4 to 6. Uh-huh. Chapter 2? Uh-huh. Go, go ahead, go ahead. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, sorry, I think it's 16. Sorry, 216. 216. Ah, yeah, two, so verse 6, yes, sir, verse 6, yes, verse 6, yes. You have forsaken the house of Jacob. Ah, okay, they are filled with eastern ways. You read that, please, verse 6 in your translation, in KJV, please. Mm-hmm. The house of Jacob. They have filled with eastern ways. Uh, they are soothsayers like the Philistines. Ah, what does opening the east window signify therefore? Fighting the eastern ways in our life. What is eastern way? The ways of the devil. Okay, that's exactly the reason why the tabernacle has its entrance towards the what? To the east. To the east. So when you enter into the tabernacle, you have to turn your back to the gods of this world and you have to enter. What are you saying? You are saying, you know what? I forsake all my idols. I forsake all the things that I put my trust in and I'm going to put my trust only in Christ. So what do you need to do? You need to destroy all those things in your life which is going to take away your trust from God. That is what opening the east windows signifies. And then do, then do what? Shoot. I like that. What is that? Shoot. You know, friends, first when Pastor James, uh, you know, asked me to preach, he said, Vijay, go ahead. Shoot. Okay. Shoot. You know what the word shoot means? Teach. Isn't it amazing? What does it signify? It signifies a specific gift that God has given you to rot deliverance for the church. Not for your own life. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. Are you there? Everybody? Kya baat hai? Verse 4 onwards. Ah, there are varieties of gifts. Ah, the same spirit. Next. Hmm. Kya baat hai? Huh? Yeah. So you see, the the shooting is divided into three three parts. He says there are varieties of gifts. There are varieties of service. There are varieties of activities. Yeah, read on. Yeah. Ah, why does God given you a gift? I mean, I, I can only take the example of the birthday girl. No, she's making cakes for the common good. Everybody's happy. I mean, you can go to Karachi, wax, you will not get a cake like this. For sure. Isn't it? What is he, I mean, I'm just giving an example. In other words, everybody has a gift. Use it for the common good. How many of you think that you don't have a gift? Ah, impossible, but impossible, but you know what your gift is, therefore. Ah, that's an important question. It is impossible not to have a gift. But do you have a gift? Amy didn't realize that she's going to be a Sunday school teacher. 
Suddenly she is put in a spot. Now she realized her gift. And she says, Pastor, I learned so much. I said, that is the reason I'm, I put you there. You realize your gift. And then one of the things, the one of the places where you actually realize your gift is in the church. Nowhere else. It's because there are natural gifts. But spiritual gifts, you can never realize any other place other than in the church. I mean, I'd, I'm not a singer like uh, Rishi or some of you. But I can sing. Okay. I can enjoy worship. It's a gift. You know how I realized it? When I came to church and I started singing. And everybody was looking at me like that. You know who looks at me like that? Babu Mashar comes to church. And his, he's there behind. The moment he enters the church, he looks at me. Who is this fellow who is worshipping like this? So that's exactly what happened. I was singing and people just looked at me and said, you're going to join the worship team. That is how my ministry started in the church. From worship team to worship leader. <laughs> From worship leader to preacher. Now worship leader in two languages. English and Telugu. Now I realize that I have a gift of Telugu also. Matrubasha, kutkunu chasun batikila. <laughs> Thanks to my parents, no? You shouldn't realize these are all gifts. You know where you will realize them? You will realize them in the church when you are using it for the what good? Common good. And how should you use that gift for the common good? But something else is, is also uh, given. Turn to First Peter chapter 4, please. We'll look at it over and over and over and over again, but let's, let's look at it and the 175th time. Okay. Verse 7 onwards, please. Ah, I love that. By the end of all things is at hand. How many of you realize that? Do you know the things that are going on in this world? You have no idea how things are just spiraling down and going out of control. Yes, read on. Yes. The end of all things is at hand. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. Yes, go on. Having fervent love for one another. Which translation is that, brother? Super. Read on. Mm. Without grumbling, show hospitality. Okay. And then because the problem with hospitality, the more people are in. I am only doing everything. Nobody wants to do it. That is what grumbling is. Okay. Do show hospitality without grumbling. Yes. As each one has received a gift. Minister it to whom? To one another. Yes, then go on. Go on. As good stewards of the manifest grace of God. And go on. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And then. With the strength that God supplies. And then. All things God may be glorified. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That is how you need to serve. So each one of you has a gift. Therefore, shoot. Use it, Baba. Use your gift. Shoot it. Whatever gift that you have. Some of you have incredible. Like Abel is like, he starts his, he, he touches an instrument and it starts singing. I said, Abel, he put start this now? I just, yesterday only, I just bought this and I started playing. I said, what is this, Baba. It's remarkable. It's a fantastic gift. You can learn any instrument. With ease. Did you work out? No, no, no. I just, just playing. Correct? I just got it. He plays the saxophone. He plays the violin. He plays the whatever that uh, recorder, the melodica. Yeah, melodica. My goodness. So many instruments. This just, just touches it and starts singing. That is what is like. It's a gift. Use it for the common good. Shoot it, in other words. Let's come back now. Verse 18. So verse 17 now. Shoot, and he shot. And look at this, everybody. Read that, the latter part. After he shot. Read that, please. Somebody can read it. And he said, The Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory of Syria. Mm-hmm. The arrow of victory of Syria. 
That means what, what is your ultimate aim in your life? What is the goal that God, the man of God has spoken over you? That you will fight them and you will destroy them? That is the end. Okay. That means you have to be persistent with what? With your gift. You have to be what? Persistent with your gift. Turn to Matthew chapter 24, verse 46. Matthew chapter 24, verse 46. Onwards. Matthew chapter 24, verse 46 onwards. Read it, read it, read it. Yeah, please read it. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Ah, read on. Truly I say to you he will set him over all his possessions. Ah, but if that wicked servant says to himself my master has delayed and he begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks and with the drunkards, what will happen? The master of the house will come when the time that he has not expected him to come. This is simple, no? What does it mean? Baba, you can never be slack until, you know, when does your Christian life end? When you die. Simple. Fighting. See, life is a war. Christian life is mega war. You know why there is a mega war? Because there is a mega price. And that price is not a fading price. Whether you are inside the world or are you, where you are in the world or in the in the kingdom, you are you have trou- troubles, right? You go to anybody, no, anybody you you tap the door, neighbor's door and ask him how many troubles and problems you have, she will tell you. Unbelieving, hmm? or I have so many problems. People in the church also have problems. People in the world also have problems. So you cannot escape problems. Even the smallest baby has problems. You ask her. The other day, Sarah said, "I want to meet Grandpa." Why? Because I want to discuss my problems with him. <laughs> she also has problems. Mama, she's laughing, but it is true. Everybody has problems. I don't know what problems, maybe from school problems, I'm, I'm like, oh my god, what problems? Is she going to complain about me now? <laughs> you see, everybody has problems. Whether you are in the world or in the kingdom, everybody has problems. Small girl, Amachi, who is the eldest, everybody has issues and problems. Okay? If you have no issues, that means you are raptured. Only there, there are no problems. But you know what happened here? He says, you know what? Consistent. How long should you be consistent? Till death. That means what? Till you die, you have to surrender yourself to God. That is the reason why we are, I mean, I've been looking at this Issachar. Turn to Issachar, please. Sorry, Genesis 49, please. Genesis 49, verses 14 and 15. Genesis 49, verses 14 and 15. Genesis 49, verses 14 and 15. I'll tell you what that is. Genesis 49, verses 14 and 15. If you have the AKJV, NKJV, read it. Issachar or Issachar is a strong donkey. Abba, lying between what? How many burdens? Okay, there are, there are burdens, there are burdens in the kingdom, there are burdens in the, outside the kingdom. Now, Issachar is lying between two burdens. You cannot escape what? Burden. But what does he do? Look at that. Ah, he saw the rest was good. And that land was pleasant. And what did he do? He bored his sword, his shoulder to bear a burden and then, and he became a slave. No, when you look at it, how does it look like? Does it sound like a blessing or does it sound like a curse? In, in, in Telugu, Gadda means a donkey, foolish fellow, brainless fellow, a guy who bears the burden and always like this, like you're. Always talking about problems. 
No, he says there are two problems. There are problems in the world, there are problems in the kingdom. But you know what I'm going to do? I, I am going to look at the land of rest and I'm going to give my shoulder for burden, to bear burdens. What is the land of rest, Baba? Revelation 14, 13. <clears throat> Revelation 14, 13. This is exactly what Pastor James posted when uh, Roshan's father passed away. Revelation 14, 13. Yeah, and I heard a voice, yes. Ah, I, I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, right? Ah, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. That means everybody will. But who are blessed? Oh, those who die in the Lord only are blessed. Yeah, read on. Yes, says the spirit. And they rest from their labors. And what is going to follow them? The works is going to follow. So what does Issachar look? He looks at the land of rest. He says, I want that rest. And I'm going to carry the burden. I'm not going to carry the burden so that I can have a peaceful retired life. I'm going to carry the burden so that I can spend my eternity there. That is my insurance policy. That's the reason why it says, store up for yourselves what treasures in heaven. That is your insurance policy. Send your premiums there, please. Okay. If you send your premiums here to the earthly masters, they will, you will get the money only after you're dead, or after you died. Who gets your money? Your children, whom you don't know who will follow the, will they, will, if they follow the Lord or not. I have got one, I think, seven, 65 or one crore, let's say one crore medical insurance. Think, I mean, life insurance. You die, your family is going to get one crore. We don't know whether our children are going to use it properly or not. But you store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Baba, moth and rust do not destroy there. See, everybody has problems. Everybody has a burden. Choose the Lord's death. Okay, so so what is he saying? That means be persistent with your gift till the end. So what does he do? He sh- How many times does he strike the ground? Three times. He's not interested in this fellow. Lazy sluggard. That is the reason why I said no. It's interesting. He says, strike the ground. Does Elisha say how many times to strike the ground? No, 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 no. Who should decide? You should decide. Because who knows your problem? Ah, pastor will say, read the Bible, pray every day. How long? Till the deliverance is there. It's your choice. Come to the meetings. How long should I come? (laughs) Rest of your life says Raj. You see, how long? That is the reason why I went to Sardis, right? What is Sardis? Sardis, what are you? You are spiritually dead. Why? Why are you spiritually dead? Because you have never completed the work that you have started. You should have finished the Lord's deliverance, but you stopped in the middle. You have a reputation that you are alive, but you are what? Dead. Unfinished business. Strike the ground with them, and he strikes three times. And the man of God is... Angry. Pa. Sometimes Jesus is angry with his church. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God, but this is righteous anger. What kind of a congregation is this, Baba? What kind of a guy is this? He's so slack. I want to finish the work in his life. I already spoke that you're going to completely destroy, but you don't want it to happen in your life. A lot of people, they don't like their deliverance. They like their problems. They like to be, you know, that's like, you know, you have the pundu on your, a boil on your hand. Okay. Doctor will say, do this, do this, do this, do this. The boil will go. But they like the boil. You know why? Please, please do this, no? Please, like this. Ah. That is what they're used to do their to their problems and they don't want deliverance. You know why? They like that negative attention they get. They like to be pampered. But you don't know how irritating you are to the others. It's a fact. You see? And how does this follow? He doesn't like. He says, two, three, and a man of God is angry. 
Then the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times, then you would have struck down Syria until you have made an end to it. But now, wow, it's amazing, right? You can start off with a tremendous call of God over your life and God has spoken something and it will never come to pass because you will not cooperate. Who is this guy? Samson. What is he going to be? Nazarite from his birth. Tremendous anointing over his life. But did he finish well? No. You were supposed to be the deliverer of Israel. But did you finish well? No. Saul. If you would have done this, I would have established your kingdom forever. But now I have found a man after my own heart. By this time, David was still not born. 14 years later. Can you believe that? That is the reason why in heaven, you will have a lot of people crying. You know why? Because your crown will be given to somebody else. With your name on name upon it. You know, Warren Beers, we wrote this book. Don't let anyone steal your crown. And that entire study was upon the life of Saul. Somebody stole his crown. Why? He would start, but never be able to complete. Question today, for all of us, even as we stop today in this service, how many of us have unfinished works in our life? And God says, Baba, shoot, strike, until the deliverance happens in your life. Go to Luke's Gospel chapter 6, please. Luke's Gospel chapter 6. Are you there? Read it from verse 44, oh sorry, 46 onwards. Huh, why do you call me? Ah, why do you call me my father, my father? And do not do what I tell you. In other words, this fellow did not do what he told. Okay, now ask him. When you ask him, did you do what the prophet asked him to do? Yeah, he struck it. But did he actually do what the prophet intended for him to do? No. There is a command and there is an intention behind the command. David fulfilled you know what the word actually is in Telugu Telugu it says the purpose, the intention of God was fulfilled by David before he rested with his forefathers. There is an intention and there is a command. There is an intention and there is a command. See, God might have called me for something. I can do something and I say, yeah, God, I did it. But God might have intended something totally different. Go to the go to your brothers and uh, give them food. He told David. But the the command is to go and feed your brothers. But but what is God's intention behind it? That he should kill Goliath. That is the reason why it's called the extra mile Christian. Law will say, go one mile. Grace will say. Go extra mile. Go one more mile. <laughs> that is grace. What does grace do? It makes you work hard than everybody else. That should be our competition. Okay, okay, Rachel. If you, re- Paul was in competition, Baba. Not to see who is better. To see who is more hard worker. Turn to First Corinthians, please. Chapter fifteen. First Corinthians chapter 15, are you there? Verse 8 onwards. Yeah, yeah, please read it. Somebody can read it loudly. Yes, Samir, read it. He last of all he was seen of me also. Out of, I was as of one born out of due time. I am the least of all the apostles. Ah. Uh. 
Okay, I persecuted the church of God. Now I see, I see in the, in the, in colleges too, you know. You know the most hardworking person is the least talented person. I've seen that. I mean, I've, I'm talking about people in, in my college too, you know. Not very, very bright and not very brilliant. But boy, they work like oxen. Anyway, Telugu lo, go do luck, Panjas sir. Read on. Hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was not, was not in vain. By I labored more abundantly. Is he being proud? Yet not I, but by the grace of God which is in me. That is what grace does. You know what grace does? Lord, I want more grace. Pastors working 18 hours. Let me work 19 hours. Pastors working 15 hours. Let me work one hour extra. Pastor Gada, he has to work. <laughs> After all, he is a pastor and he has to take care of the congregation. You know, when I, once I came, once I've come into full-time ministry, <laughs> I work 24 by 7 now. Because in my, if I sleep, my mind is always thinking of something. Searching, studying, reading, and I feel research was easier. <laughs> Word of God is tougher, Baba. And I have to search for things in unknown places. Am I right, Raj? I'll see some preachers, now they look so simple, so brash in their speech. Should I listen to that? And you start listening to that guy and then you'll say, Baba, from where did this guy come up now? Search, search. Worship, worship team members. Search. Work on your craft. He trains my hands for war and my fingers for what? Battle. Get trained. Be a trained servant. How? So you need to have three three attitudes of a trainer. Trainer has three attitudes. He's a soldier. He's an athlete. He's a hardworking farmer. Record Second Timothy chapter two. He's a he's a soldier. He's an athlete and he's a hardworking soldier. Means do anything. You know how soldiers are. When you go to the cantonment area, they will do. What are what are the fellows doing? They are not fighting wars. They are cleaning up the cantonment area. They are making they make beautifying it. They are building walls. They are doing all kinds of work. They cannot say no. I was meant to fight. Why are you asking me to do this? God will say, do it, Baba. When you come to church, they will say, no, 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 no. Where are you going to start? Not in the worship team, from the toilet team. Toilets? Do you know which caste I am? You are asking me to clean toilets? Kulam Gotham Anna Chasabadagi. I find Christian toilets most more neat than Hindu toilets. I'll tell you why. Because Hindus don't want to clean the toilets. You know why? See, that is a dirty work. You do dirty work there, no. You don't have a problem. Nothing in the kingdom of God is dirty. And your soldier is prepared to do anything. Right, John? Absolutely. And what is an athlete? An athlete is Rafa Nadal. I don't want to give examples anymore. I've spoken enough of about him. He doesn't know that he is the... He is the model in our preaching. He doesn't even know that. <laughs> I hope in eternity he realizes it. Hare shucks, Vijay is to always do this with me. And then, and what is a hardworking farmer? Which is the most difficult job here? Soldier, athlete, farmer. Which is the most difficult? Ah, farmer is the most difficult job. And I, therefore I thank all these farmers who have started farming now. Rooftop farming. That's good. What does farming mean? You sow today, do you reap tomorrow? No, no. You know, there's one guy, right, a small child who sowed his seed and he said, Papa, it's not coming. Why? What did you do to it? I dug it up. And I'm seeing why it's not coming. And again, I covered it. By the time it is dead. That's exactly what happens to many, many believers. Nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. They dig it up. It's dead by this time. Be persistent, my dear brothers and sisters. Till the end. And finish what God has started in your life. Okay? So the title of today's message is Finish 
what God has started in your life. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. You're a good God. Your mercy endures forever. And even as we have heard your word, meditated upon your word, I pray, Father, that Lord, it become it becomes life. It will become life, Lord. It will just not remain as word. It will become life. Because you said in your word, my, my words are spirit and life. Grant us grace to that and we pray. Touch us and enable us to complete and accomplish and finish what you have started in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen.